This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 490, brought to you by Geek Nation Tours and iFanboy listeners just like you. Hello, 
Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 490. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and sitting in for my co-host, Josh Flanagan, is Panel.net's Paul Montgomery. Hey! Hey, everybody. iFanboy former writer, iFanboy former editor, former iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast co-host. Thanks for keeping the seat warm for me. You wear many hats, Paul. I do. And I and when you asked if I could be on the show, I was like, I have to, because the last time I was asked, it was Josh, and then I was really busy that week, and then he ended up doing the show by himself, and it <laughs> felt so bad. Yeah, he had a little bit of a panic attack that week when everyone was too busy to do it. I was like, I really wanted to. I was like, next time, definitely, please ask me soon, but it was just, that was a bad week, and so I'm, I'm happy to be here. You've redeemed yourself. I hope so. And uh, we are iFanboy. We like comics. If we can read a bunch of comics, one of us... Picks their favorite comic of the week. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books of the week, fun stuff, do some listener mail. Really, we just try to have a good time, Paul. That's all we try to do. It's our mandate. That's a, I like that. It's a good mandate for a show. And uh, here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be some spoilers. So there you go. Exercise some caution. If you haven't read the books, pause the show. This week, I had to pick. Okay. I read a lot of books this week. This was, there was a whole bunch of DC number ones, which we'll talk about in a minute. And uh, a lot of fun stuff. But ultimately, Southern Bastards number nine was the clear pick because this is the closest I think I'm going to feel to having scalped back. And mm. I mean, the story's great. The characters are are really interesting. But this, the storytelling that he's uh, that he's doing here, in which he has taken a background-ish character and now dived deep into them, is something he did a lot on Scalped. And then it really yeah. fle- ends up fleshing out the entire world over the course of of however long this, this series is going to go. And this issue. We learn all about the sheriff of the town. I should put the town his name, I forget. But we've seen him a bit it being sort of ineffective. Bastard town. He's ineffectively uh, being the sheriff of the town, really, this town's run by Coach Boss. And in this issue, we, we dive into his story as a former player of Coach Boss's. And really, everything we might have felt positively about Coach Boss has just ripped us under again in this issue. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, it was also fun reading the letters column uh, on this one because there are people like feel like being like, I know what you're trying to do, and I don't feel any sympathy for this guy. I don't care. <laughs> and then like this issue for sure, yeah, you don't feel any any sympathy. But but I definitely I had that same scalped vibe where like okay, this is like the third arc basically, and or the third storyline, and we're nine issues deep, and like okay, I can kind of see what they're doing here. This is then this is cool. Like it's um you know it's it has a very different feel from Scalped, right? But I think as a as a format, as a as a template to follow, I think it's a really interesting way to tell a story about an ensemble, a wider ensemble. And now you get this character who was a background player in you know the first issue, and now you finally get to see his his life story play out. This reminds me a lot of, and this is not. I guess we'll see more, right? Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's not a one-shot about the, about it's, the sheriff. It's at least a two-parter. Yeah. So this reminds me a lot of, like, you know, we'd, we'd go and find out about Shunka or somebody over there. Even, even, yeah. I even thought a bit of Preacher, which would do yes. that, which, which is probably the highest amount of praise I could give something, mm-hmm. is that that would occasionally break away from the narrative. And it doesn't, it's not breaking away. This is just a different way of it. It's more of a spider web format you know it's like yeah the, it's not a straight line story it's we're gonna go in different directions always moving forward but sometimes follow this guy sometimes follow this one and i i thought this was great yeah and well like in the first arc you you know you had you had earl and like you thought he was going to be the nucleus of the story and then it ends up being coach boss is actually the nucleus and then now we're just following one of the 
mitochondria basically so um, we're, we're venturing out a little bit but still uh, integral characters within within this whole thing and uh, coach boss is a dick <laughs> well I mean there, there's there's a bit of the old sympathy here because the last issue ended with his trusty uh, assistant coach uh, committing suicide once he realized just how awful coach boss was and how much he contributed to that by, yeah. by helping him over the years as his, as his assistant coach. And so he's like, you're telling me he beat him in the street and everybody watched and nobody did anything. And he's like, yep, that's basically what happened. It's like, okay, I'm going to shoot myself in the head. So he shoots himself and Coach Boss loves this guy and uh, is very angry and wants the murderer found, even though clearly there was no murderer. But it right. ends up getting blamed on their county rivals, of course, because it had to be about football. And this is the sheriff's futile attempt to keep a lid on the simmering tensions between the football teams and also flashing back to him as the star running back. Uh, this is this sort of harkens back a little bit to the original story of Friday Night Lights, not the TV series, mm-hmm. in which the star running back was like going to go you know, places and ended up getting hurt and never going anywhere. Yeah. He doesn't get hurt here so much as the coach orders his players to beat him with bats about his legs so that he can never go to college and become a star because coach never got to go to college and become a star. Uh, well, they almost tease that. They almost tease that with Smash on the TV show, where yeah. like he got injured a bit, and you know everything was going terribly wrong. But then it, you know, comes back around, thankfully. Right. Uh, but this is just but, tragic. Yeah. You just you can see it coming a mile away because obviously he didn't leave and become a big star. But even though you see it coming, it's sort of that tragic train that's on the tracks and you can't stop it. It's like no, no, no. <laughs> and then running into running into to women that he had relationships with when you know he was a teenager and. Like that would be the reality of being like a townie, basically, in this in this small town where you know everybody knows everybody, and you know, and and nobody gets out of that town. I, you know, s- still you're like, how uh, he must have like Coach Boss must have something else even beyond that over him because to stay and be under his thumb all that time after he did that to you, after he he sent two of your buddies after you with baseball bats. Well, he's in a position of nominal power and nominal respect in the town, right? I guess so, yeah. Although uh, he would basically be doing nothing. You know, like a lot of the people in this book, we just see sort of existing and not really living. And he's his reward, the coach, the coach says after he beats him, is his reward's going to be, you know, he, he's going to be the sheriff. And it's like a it's like a redneck Game of Thrones. Kind it's of is, like, yeah. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, I'm going to do something really despicable to you. And now, I guess that's true. Like, no matter where he would go, he wouldn't be in as high of a status as he is with this position he's been given by the coach. Yeah. And uh, then the big reveal at the end is that he has a wife and two kids, despite his pursuing his ex-girlfriend from high school in the middle of the issue. So there's a lot going on here with this sheriff, who's now a very interesting character. We didn't know much. Yeah, about and he's in, and and leading up to that, he's like, I got, I have nothing. There's like yeah. nothing for me here. I've basically, I've, I've given up. There, it's just this job that I have, and and, and that that future that I, you know, that I once had, that the ghost of a, a past and everything, and and then coming in and hey, daddy, and like they clearly, like at, at least his son, his his older son. Um, you know, has affection for him. It's not like I have nothing. Like, and you go in, and then they're like they want nothing to do, you know, with the old man. Like, it's like at least one of his family, you know, really cares about him deeply and and looks up to him. And so that's that's interesting. And the son's carrying on the family tradition of sweet flat tops. Yep. Now, I one thing I I do love about Jason Latour's art is that everyone's face has sadness in it. You know, like yeah. look at the wife's mm-hmm. face in the last page. The 
the high school ex-girlfriend's face in the bank. She's the bank employee. And the co- mm-hmm. I mean, the sheriff's always sad. Everyone in this town's a little sad. And I know that's part of their sort of commentary on, you know, being stuck in the small town. But it just really works. It makes this book really emotional because there's, there's nobody that's happy. Even Coach Boss, who runs the town with an iron fist, is not a happy man. And it's just really, really, really interesting. I love the detail of him wearing shorts all the time. Like, and, and he has like the, the, the scrawniest legs ever. And it's, it's like he doesn't look like that threatening of a person. It's just he looks like a, a really hardened person. But it's, you know, it's his actions and his, his weird reactions to things. Like, of course, it's the rival, you know, right. town. Well, it is homecoming and weekend, Paul. Clearly it's homecoming murder, weekend, of course. Any murder can be attributed to your football. Like, it's almost comical in that scene where, where he's like, and you know what this is, right? And the guy's clearly like, well, well it's suicide. a suicide. Okay, Obviously, he has a suicide note, like everything. Like, I told him something really depressing, <laughs> and he goes and blows his brains out. And then he's, he's like, it's that, uh, it's that rival team. They came in here and... Oh, Coach Moss. And uh, there's great storytelling throughout here, too. Like the stuff where he's, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, the sheriff's out um, and he's out of his vehicle and he left his belt with, mm-hmm. uh, with his gun and all his stuff behind on the front seat and he's surrounded by these kids. And this is after we saw the moment where his own teammates beat him up. So, what are these kids going to be able to do to, you know, him as an older guy and without any of this stuff? And I was like, this is going to escalate. And, you know, and it, it it went a different way, but that 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 tension there of just cutting away to the front seat and all of the stuff that he could use to get out of this scrape there. Well, he he took out some pain, uh, some of his own psychic pain on these kids. He's like, yeah. uh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna whoop some linebackers' ass, and he did, and mm-hmm. uh, he did the thing he couldn't do when he was a kid, which is beat on the, these these angry football players. And I just think this book is just so wonderful. It's it's real. I mean, top to bottom, really, really strong. This might have been my favorite issue of the series. I'm not sure. I just think this is such a great character piece. And this, and it showed how quickly you can uh, make someone very interesting and sympathetic. Just a few pages. I just remember, like, first hearing about this series and something in the, the writing of the synopsis made it sound like there were vampires or werewolves in this. <laughs> And like, and I kept waiting in that first arc for like werewolves to show up, like some occult element, and it, it hasn't. And but it's it's definitely scarier than, than any of that. You got the Walking and, Dead UFO pitch in your head. Yeah, I do. I guess this is a big week for for Southern Bastards. In addition to the highly prestigious Pick of the Week honors, it mm-hmm. uh, was picked up by FX or and Scott Rudin's company for development yeah. of the TV series. So congratulations to Jason Aaron and Latour for uh, closing that deal. That's a great pick for for FX too. Yes, um, fits you know, in. Justi- justified going away. That's a, yeah, it's a perfect fit. Fills that justified hole plus a little bit of mm-hmm. lights in it. Breaking Bad was originally going to be on FX. That's what they were you know setting it up for, and then they moved over to AMC. So like it's a, that's a good yeah, it's, it's a good, good home for it. Now uh, this was a big week for DC. A lot of DC number ones came out, so we're going to go through a bunch of them. Not all of them, I don't think, right? No. Yeah, but a bunch when Marvel launches post. Battle World, we'll do that for all those Marvel number ones. Not all of them, but you know, we'll do a whole bunch of those too when we can return to reading Marvel. Yeah, I had this World. weird idea I was going to read all of Convergence, and then I read like week one like, and nope. a half of Convergence. Like, no. Yeah. So I'm just reading what I'm interested in. I'm just whatever looks kind of you know intriguing. So this week we had a bunch. Uh, we'll start with Black Canary number one. This is the spinoff book from Batgirl. 
right? Featuring the same writing team, correct? So it's it's uh, Brendan Fletcher and Annie Wu on art. I love the Annie Wu art in this issue. Yeah, yeah, really strong. What did you think of it overall? I really like this, and, and the thing that occurred to me halfway through was like, why has no one done this with Black Canary yet? You know, mm-hmm. like given her power set and everything, I don't, I don't know if they've toyed with you know, like doing the rock star thing, but like right. this is just such a natural fit for the character and for the look of the character. And You're right. I w- I'm, I'm really into this. I think a lot of these number ones are a little odd because they started with these, I don't know, online prequel which things, I didn't read any like, of which I didn't read any of. Yeah. So some of them are like, okay, sure. And so I don't, I don't know, you know, ent- entirely like all about these characters, but it's a, it's a good cast and she's really interesting. And when the fight breaks out, the art is just tremendous. Yeah. It's like these, these weird uh, creatures that look like, doodles like ink doodles <laughs> yeah. like that just like come out of the out of the crowd and i was like this is such a it's i mean like they want a punk rock vibe for it. and sometimes when you do a comic and especially like a mainstream superhero comic it's super lame right but this like just felt really natural and like yeah it's a, th- these are punk rock bad guys and you know this is a punk rock you know character and it works. I did like the running joke that wherever they played, they were attacked, and so there was a giant brawl on the stage. So she got this reputation, not so much as a musician, but as uh, someone who cut in a lot of fights. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because this week was for these books. For a lot of these books, it was all about my brain trying, just going, "Okay, these are just these are all new interpretations. I've got to roll with it." Basically, yeah. Which is not bad necessarily. It's just there's a lot of. There's a lot of sort of heavy reinterpretation going on with some of these characters. Yeah, one one of my friends was like, "So does does uh, does Dinah have any history with Oliver in the New Fifty Two? And I was like, "I don't even know if that matters anymore." Like, I don't, like well, they, they, the New Fifty Two stuff. They mentioned her having been married, and that could have been a reference to it. But yeah, it, so it, it like, all doesn't make any sense. So you almost have to treat each book as an individual bubble, unless yeah. they're, unless they're implicitly linked, like this one in Batgirl. Because mm-hmm. uh, it just doesn't make any sense if you think about it for more than two minutes. So, like, I don't even know if, like, does it have more of a link to New 52 stuff or pre-52 stuff at this point? I don't even know, and I don't, uh, like, I kind of don't mind. I'm kind of trying to go with the iFanboy philosophy of just, you know, just <laughs> roll with it, and it'll, it'll make sense in time. It's tough. Um, to, it's tough to do, but... Yeah, but, like I, I, like, I was like, I just love the tone and vibe of this, and... And the Annie Wu art is is, uh, is just stellar. So um, I'm I'm on board for this one. This is I think this is my favorite of the of these so far. So you're sticking with this one. I'm sticking with this one. Yeah. Justice League of America number one. This is the uh, book written and drawn by Brian Hitch, who was a giant superstar in the uh, 15 years ago in, in the early part of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Widescreen comics. Widescreen comics with Warren Ellis, and this was like a. It felt like this book was like four times as big as a regular book. I know there was a lot yeah. of rumblings that it was expensive. It was like five ninety nine or four ninety nine or something, but it's, it's like it was like at least double size. It might have been more than double size. So this is the this is the speaking of continuity. This is the explicitly out of continuity book. Oh, okay. I, this is the one I did not read. I read the rest of these, but you but you have so to fill me in the, on this. I don't. Well, out of continuity is not accurate. It's the we're not worried about continuity book. I mean, it's, okay. it's set in the new fifty two. The new fifty two versions of the characters, but they're they're just going to tell Justice League stories and not worry about it fitting in. Like, right. you know, here you've got Superman fully powered with his quote-unquote costume, but not the, you know, depowered uh, T-shirt version. 
that we're seeing in his books, you know? So they're not really worried okay. about matching up to what's going on. They're just telling stories, which is normally kind of how Justice League books were, be- just because it's almost possible to keep up what's going on in everybody's stories. But this is That's explicitly true. stated, we're just going to tell stories here and not worry about it. And actually, I thought this was kind of fun. I mean, it's... He's on the roster. It's the standard team from the... It's standard team? Okay. It's, it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg. So okay. I would have kind of liked, not necessarily a different team, but maybe an expanded roster. You mm-hmm. know, maybe add in a couple of people, add in Martian Manor, who we're going to talk about next. Like unlimited style? I don't need a giant team, but like maybe, you know, I feel like there's a couple of pieces we could add. Well, unlimited, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like a giant team. It was just like you had this rolling right. roster. I think for me what I mean is the lineup's been the same for three years. Right. And uh, maybe it's time to roll some people in that are new. Some different dynamics. Like not just not just go with the super friends kind of. Right. Thing. And I like the super friends, but you can always jump, you know, add a mm-hmm. different dynamic by adding a couple of new characters. Anyway, the hitch art was stronger than I've seen in a while, although still wonky in places. Mm-hmm. It seems strange to say you're always worried about an artist who's also going to write when artists have always written. But I've never read anything Brian Hitch had written before, so I didn't know what to expect. And it was pretty fun. I mean, it, it wasn't in the continuity of writers and artists who do the same thing. I would put him in the middle. Okay. You know? not, I wouldn't put him in sort of the Flash territory that where it kind of became sort of plotting. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't put him in the Darwin Cook category either. I'd put him, you know, solid, solid writer. And this is sort of a fun Justice League story. There's a giant parasite fight in the middle, which he sucks on some people and gets gigantic. And it's it's a big action book. Is that the vibe? Is it like fun or is it like cool? If I was to think of like a hitch book, like it would just be kind of like, I don't know, edgy. It's not edgy. It's not like standing around posing. Okay. It's, it's, it's just a, it was sort of a fun Justice League story. I don't know where it's going yet, even though there was a lot of pages. There was uh, 58 pages. But, uh, it's you know, interesting. He's got, the, he's got the dynamics down pretty Are well. Are they all going to be 58 pages? I don't know. I, I can't imagine. First of all, like, how long did it take him to draw these 58 pages? Well, of course, yeah. that counts the covers. But I'm really curious to see how often he actually draws this book. So, uh, But this, I just thought this was a fun... Sort of, don't worry about continuity, just have a good time, Justice League story. And I don't know the overall plot yet. It ends, the cliffhanger ends with the appearance of Great Rao, the Kryptonian god that Superman has been wanting okay, to, yeah. uh, to invoke. Hmm. And he says, I am the great god Rao and I've come to save you. And that's the cliffhanger. So I'm not quite sure what the story is, but it was fun. As a Justice like the Mangog arc of JSA? Maybe. I think I just like that it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it didn't feel oppressive. Like I was wor- worried about a lot of things. I just was watching the Justice League have a good time. So cool. it would be worth checking out if you're a fan of the Justice League, I think. Let's talk about some really weird shit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Martian Manhunter number one. Um, Martian Manhunter is a weird character. He's one of my favorite characters. He's a, he's a very interesting character. I, 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 I was into this in the beginning because it was yes. so weird. Yeah. I like the what, Mr. Biscuit kind of character. It was like, what's going on here? Like this urban legend boogeyman kind of thing. But then I kind of lost the thread with this. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. It's funny. Well, first of all, I thought the Eddie Barrows art was wonderful. Yeah, it's cool. Big, it was, I mean, it was I'm a big Eddie Barrows fan. Very effectively creepy in that opening scene. The Dan Panosian cover is pretty great, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, the one of the saddest things about the New 52 is that the Martian Manhunter character has been completely sort of 
destroyed. And I, I mean, like, just sort of, he was this great sort of uh, moral center of the universe, and he was turned into this weird angry alien, which was, like, completely counter to who he's supposed to be, and then sort of shunted shun to the side. And He was, like, they shuffled around, like, he played musical teams yeah, for he, a while. They would just sort of stick him on every team he was in Stormwatch. On Stormwatch and, 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 yeah. and here, in this issue, he calls himself a member of the Justice League, even though... Uh, I guess he's talking about that Justice League United team or whatever it was. But mm. let me ask you a question, Paul. He's, now he's a shapeshifter. Yes. But you gotta believe that mass has to stay the same size, right? Like he he couldn't shapeshift into like a, into like a fly, right? And just sort of and, and get really small. He could turn into like a bunch of flies, I guess. But like to turn into like a giant dragon that and be perched on a, top of bigger than a jetliner. I was like, how does I, what? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Unless that was hollow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I guess he's he like really stretched out and like. I guess he can stretch like Mister Fantastic and shapeshift. Maybe it was. I mean, it was. It's a. It's a spooky image, and and it was. It was just like a really strong moment. But I was. But but yeah, I was taken out of it. I was like, can he do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know like, what's going on here, other than this seemed to be implying that everything we know about John Jones is wrong, and he's actually been. Sort of a uh, bad guy, the whole, or a, a sent to Earth as a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I think every character that's like an alien that wakes up on Earth, like they go through that storyline at some point. Like they did it on Smallville, I think. Like the like the idea that maybe you were sent there to conquer instead mm-hmm. of, you know, or or like he the, the usual origin is just ends up there by accident because. Right, the scientist, right? I'm thinking. Well, I'm thinking yeah, of the new front. No, no, no. Yeah. This is that, that's how the original one was. It was a broad. He just to he Earth. shows up. He like he like against his own will. He ends he up there. He was zapped to Earth, and his appearance was so shocking that the guy zapped him had a heart attack and died. And I, I guess it's like there's sleeper agents on Earth that are different Martians, and they're being activated. I, I guess I don't. I don't know what. The, like I thought the Mister Biscuit thing was like. I thought that was going to be John. That's one of the like, weirdest things I've read in comics in a while. The Mister Biscuit yeah. part. But I did like that overall this version of John was closer to the John I like than the angry, militant, alien John. That's what kind of like carried me through. I was like, okay, this is, this is the John that I like and is, is, has a whole lot of potential. And it just gets squandered all the time. So it was like maybe there's some potential there. So I, I, have, I don't know where this is going. This I just really liked the sequence in the beginning where he's, he goes to save the plane and he sees everybody's terrified. So he puts them all to sleep. Sort of a, yeah. It's like, I don't want you to be worried. So everyone go to sleep. And I, I thought that was a nice moment. You know, he, I just, I don't know. I, like, I wish this character was in the JLA book too. Like this is the kind of character, A, I think John should always be in the Justice League. But I just think... This mm-hmm. character would add an interesting dynamic to the team. Yeah, and I, I read um, New Frontier recently, and he, he remains my favorite part of that book. Oh yeah, I really latch on to the to the John stuff, and especially where he's talking about like Superman's so lucky, you know, he he looks like one of them, and they they embrace him. And if I were to show my true self, they would scream, and you get a little bit of that here. And so was like that was part he, of the sadness of John that I always liked. I always responded yeah. to was mm-hmm. he was truly the lonely alien i mean superman is but like you said he just he can always just pretend to be human whereas mm-hmm. john john can shapeshift but it's not him right so i always did like that part now i didn't read prez number one how was prez number one prez is really interesting so this is uh this return to an older concept i remember it 
Yeah, but this is uh, this feels a lot like a like a Vertigo book. It's uh, who's the, uh, it's Mark Russell and Ben Caldwell, and it's set in a, a sort of um, not too distant future. And uh, we open on one of the um, president or one of the political parties has realized that all of their potential candidates have like terrible selfies in their past and <laughs> couldn't possibly be a good candidate. And so they have these terrible candidates on either side, and they're going to be running for president. And this girl who works at a corn dog place and has a father who's sick and dying in the hospital, unless she raises a whole bunch of money, uh, and she's got like a like a one of those GoFundMe kind of things mm-hmm. going, but it's it's really not bringing in the the goods. And um, anyway, she's doing a, a tutorial video for the other staff of this corn dog place to make the corn dogs, and her pigtail ends up in the deep fryer and she fries her own hair and her friend and she's like you're not going to put this online are you and it ends up going viral and people write in her as a presidential you know as a third party and so basically this teenage girl is going to end up as a president despite the the fact that she's not 35 years old yeah i guess that's lax at this point but um but and basically the the last scene of this first issue is like all of the the big conglomerates they're pissed and like ceos no 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 they're excited about this because they can use her and these other candidates are basically it's like it doesn't matter and like they all it's really interesting they're all like guys in suits and around a board table boardroom table but they have like avatars for faces so it's like a like a big happy face it kind of reminded me of um private eye uh pr- yeah private eye where they like everyone has these sort of weird masks and the pharmaceuticals is called pharmaduke so he's got like this dog head with a syringe in his mouth <laughs> like holding like a bone and it's it's really um it's got this really wicked wry sense of humor it, like really into the political commentary they talk about instead of doing welfare, let's just have drones with tacos that just drop on people. <laughs> and First of all, that well, is an awesome idea, and I would welcome it's a drone like taco, taco drones, taco drones, and then like, and also we'll make them wear like sweatsuits with ads for taco drone on it, so they'll be walking billboards for the, for the welfare state. Basically, it's really twisted and it just it feels like a vertigo book what and a strange um, book for dc to promote it, it, yeah and i mean like there's no you know other there's no superheroes in here so far it's, i mean um, i'm i'm into it I, i'm actually gonna check it out after the show but like wow this, is, this it does harken back a little bit to the stuff they tried for the new 52 launch that failed miserably i'm not, I'm not saying this book's gonna fail miserably but it, it, it does yeah. feel like that no, it's like it's very, it's just very esoteric and, and and interesting, and like there's like reality shows where it's like, how much would you be willing to get your family from Mexico into America, and like the kid has to go like swim through alligators, and then at the end they're like, okay, you have to shoot yourself with this gun, but not in the in the in the hands or feet. So he shoots himself in the leg in order to bring his family up from, and it's, so it's, it's like the uh, I don't know if you've seen on uh, on Netflix they have that English show. Um, uh, Oh, what's it called? Black something. Oh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Black yeah. Mirror. It's like it's like the modern Twilight Zone kind of thing, and it's very political and very like of the day, like like modern concerns. And so, if if you're into that kind of stuff, this is really good. Cool. And it was like this is a DC book, crazy. <laughs> so uh, I looked at the cover of Doctor Fate number one. Doctor Fate also one of my favorite characters. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know if I'm ready for a hoodie wearing Doctor Fate. 
So. I think it. Lo- I think it looks good when Sonny Liu draws it. Well, that's the thing. And then I started reading it, and I was like, "Oh, well, okay." I mean, yeah. Sonny Liu art is amazing, and mm-hmm. I actually really did end up liking this quite a bit once I finished. It's a it's a weird team up. It's a weird team up. Paul Levitz is very much old school DC writer, and Sonny Liu is very much not yes. an old school DC artist. And I thought about it afterwards, and I thought, you know, they're constantly reinventing Doctor Fate. I mean, yes. the version of Dr. Fate from, from Jeff Johnson's JSA is different from the version of Dr. Fate that I read as a kid. Kent Nelson, different than the, whoever the guy was in, in, uh, in the JSA run. And even the Kent Nelson I read in the Bronze Age, different than the one from the Golden Age. So whatever. Right. But they do kind of really alter. I always, you know, my Dr. Fate, my Dr. Fate, this is not <laughs> hashtag, not my fate, is... Uh, is the Lord of Order and Chaos, Dr. Fate. This is very much tied into the Egyptian mythology. And even the, the character now who becomes Dr. Fate is an American-Egyptian you know, kid who, uh, yeah. in Brooklyn, his mother's, his mother's American and his father's from Egypt. And I liked that part. I liked, I liked, I mean, I really did like this book. I liked it. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really interesting. I, it's, it's a, it's, again, it's a, it's a weird team up. Like, like Paul Levitt's writing, like, teens texting, doesn't entirely work but i i like the idea of let's take dr fate who's such a like an imperious kind of character and 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 but let's give that to a kid like so it's it's the ultimate like you know uh great power you know great responsibility kind of thing like this hapless teenager and what's he going to do with you know this this crazy power and that's kind of that kind of makes the character a little bit more interesting Mm -hmm. to me than just being, you know, that guy who's who's very clearly knows what he's doing with right. the, with these powers and has been living this life. So it's this this kid with a magic talisman, basically, you know. And I do like the the hoodie. I think it's I think it's an interesting dissonance. You know, you've got this this really classical looking helm, and then yeah, you know, yeah. a modern day hoodie, and and yeah, and 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 the ankh and everything, and and then like running around with the Egyptian cat god. That's that's a it's a cool concept. Yeah, I, I think it's funny because Paul Levitz pulls stuff like that every once in a while. Like it, it, fe- it feels like a modern book, mm-hmm. and he's not a modern writer. He's a, he's an old school. He's an old school writer. Yeah, when I when I, when I did get to the page with the texting, I was like, eh, I don't know, and then it doesn't feel like I, like like I, I was talking about all the stuff with with Prez. Like that feels authentic, mm-hmm. um, and like this is potentially how like it's the you know it's a savvy use of like what you would use drones for and advertising and all that stuff and like this is you know slightly behind the times but like it's it's charming at least these texts yeah (laughs) at least that's happening so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with we we missed last i'm gonna stick with uh so far all the books we talked about okay Uh, well perez i don't know i haven't read yet but black canary justice league black canary dr fate perez i am yeah I'm going to give Marshman at least another issue. I want to find out what the hell's going on. <laughs> I am kind of curious, so yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, so the last one we're going to talk about is Harley Quinn and Power Girl number one, which is a strange number one because it's it seems to be spinning out of the storyline in the Harley Quinn book in which they these two characters teamed up in an outer space adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that... And this seems to continue that. I don't remember how that ended exactly. Which in itself was spinning out of what they did with the Power Girl run. Like they had the like the Zardoz character. Yes, yes. Like and and you know, coming to Earth. So like it's it's all connected. 
Well, if you're way. talking about a book like Justice League where they, they don't worry about continuity at all, it's the Harley, <sighs> the Harley Quinn books. They don't give a fuck. They're just and that's, it. I mean, it's Harley Quinn, so yeah. that's fair. I, I, I'll be honest in that I, I think I, I might have hit the Harley Quinn saturation point. Yeah, I think like, so too. I didn't really, I, I struggled through this issue. And I liked their team up a lot. I like Harley Quinn as a character, but I feel like it's it's a little bit too much too mm-hmm. often these days. Yep. Like I think she's she's more interesting in small doses. Right. Like when she would turn up on Batman the animated series and, and would be this agent of chaos and now it's like following around it's like it's not just an injection of Looney Tunes, it's like now it's Looney Tunes with superheroes in it. And I kind of want the reverse I, I, I want just I want her to be like this force of nature that comes in every once in a while it's like the Punisher you know like yeah. I don't want to read like Punisher all the time I wouldn't necessarily want a Punisher TV show but I'm excited that he's going to be a character on Daredevil like I think she's a great supporting character that has a lot of depth potentially yeah I feel I, I but tend as her to, own I tend to vacillate on that with the regular book like, mm-hmm. I will really like an arc or an issue, and then I'll get really bored with an arc or an issue and right. decide, oh, man, maybe, maybe I shouldn't read it anymore. And then I'll read the next one, and I really like it. So I don't – I do feel the same way you do, where it's such a strange take on the character. And now, especially in the regular book, you've got a whole army of Harleys. So there's a lot of Harley Quinn going on in the world. But this particular issue, for me, the best part of it is that this is the pretty close to the Power Girl that they wrote yes. before – that I definitely I would be happy f- to have more of. And so that's you know? the only thing sort of keeping me interested, but I did struggle because I don't necessarily like these characters in a cosmic setting. Okay, that's fair. And I don't know, I felt like the this issue, particularly the, the on-the-nose stuff was really on-the-nose, like the Yoda character and yeah. the, the hippie space people. It just sort of was like very, okay... It made it. space balls look subtle, you know, yeah. <laughs> like in farts. Yeah, uh, I it's, think it's I think it's fun and it, it's and it has its, its yeah. charm, but like it's not not necessarily what I want from from these characters. I think that's and even from even even from this creative team, I've like I've liked stuff that they've done with these characters, but this particular combination is is not necessarily what I'm yeah, looking so for. I don't think I'm going. I don't I don't even know if this is ongoing or not. Um, but it's a really weird ongoing. But I'm not going to stick with it if there's any more. So, okay. So those are the DC new uh, number ones we talked about. So we are sticking with most of the yeah. ones we read. They're most, they were pretty good. I had a good time reading them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So real quick, if you're looking for the perfect geek-themed vacation, look no further than Geek Nation Tours. Geek Nation Tours is proud to announce they're returning to New York City this fall. Attend the New York Comic Con and explore the city that's the home to the Avengers, Daredevil, Spider-Man, and many more iconic comic book-themed locations over the seven-day tour. They're even going to Jane's Hammond Bob's Secret Stash comic book store and the fictional address of the Fantastic Four. Geek Nation tours handle all the travel, hotel, and tickets to the con. All you need to do is have a great time. But comics aren't all they do, Paul. Geek Nation tours offers some great tour packages like the Journey to Middle-Earth tour, where you head to New Zealand to the World of Lord of the Rings, the Zombie Ooh. Apocalypse Training 101, perfect for Halloween or the Walking Dead fan as you travel to Atlanta to see the filming sites, get hands-on survivalist training, and more. And Galaxy Far Away Tour. You may have missed a Star Wars celebration this year, but now's the time to start planning for next year's celebration. Will you go to space? Yeah, they send you to space. Okay, cool. All these and many more tours can be found at geeknationtours.com. Book your geek tour today. Paul, which of those tours would you take? I want to go to New Zealand. That would be pretty cool. Journey to Middle Earth Tour. That is the one. Although the only other thing to keep in mind is that Star Wars celebration is in London next year. That's also fun. I would, yeah, I would, I would go to any of those. 
Even Atlanta? Not well. Depends on the time of year. <laughs> so those are cool, though. I, I mean, I want to do well with the humidity, but th- those all sound awesome. I want to go to New Zealand. New Zealand would be my absolutely far and away top pick. So now I have not been reading Archie versus Predator, Paul. This is issue three. <laughs> oh man, this is fun. Well, I know you enjoy uh, Afterlife with Archie. I do. And what's interesting about Afterlife with Archie in comparison to Archie versus Predator is that Afterlife with Archie is like a whole different art style. It's that it's Frances- uh, Francesco Francavilla yes. and doing their own thing, and it's very much its own world based on that stuff. Like all the relationships are there, but it's it's set aside. This looks like an Archie comic. Book. Well, this is the grand tradition. Like the Archie versus Punisher was also drawn. Yeah, it like... looks like a traditional Archie book, so that makes it all the more like kind of subversive and insane, perverse in a way, and weird. Yeah, and um, so like in this issue, you see the like they start off on a, the first issue. They were on the island. They went. Uh, they went on this tropical cruise and, and ended up on the island, and that's where the Predator popped up and, and made his first kills. So did the issue last four pages after he wipes them all out, and then it's over? <laughs> They're surprisingly spry, and the, the pr- <laughs> Predator surprisingly inept uh, in ways. <laughs> I love some of the variant covers they have for this. Like, there's one, I think it was for issue two, where, like, the Predator is, like, literally hiding behind the counter at, you know, Pop's Diner, and they're waiting to order burgers and whatever, and, like, the Predator looks scared, and it's like, okay, we got to talk about the crazy of this issue. <laughs> In this issue, you get, um, Jughead gets killed. Well, okay? he's always, what? Jughead, and I, I will not reveal the reasons, but uh, in issue two, he ends up wearing uh, ladies' clothes and ends up in high heels and uh, is is murdered. Now, the Predator does his standard kill where he takes your spine. He takes your your head and your spine as his prize, uh, and he puts it inside a vending machine. So that's where Archie finds his friend. Oh. And Jughead's head... Is there oh. and, he, and he grabs Jughead's felt crown and is like like wringing it in his hands and like screaming at the sky like I'm going to kill you and like, was his head still attached to the spinal column? Yeah, it's like the spine was dangling down from oh. his intact head with the crown on it and like his tongue hanging at the side of his head. Oh, that's no good. It's it's creepy, but it's uh it's kind of adorable. I don't know. Uh, so then this is a big issue for Dilton. Uh, who's the brain of the group? Yes. Guy with the big glasses. Mm-hmm. You, you reveal it, they reveal somewhere in the background that Dilton has a thing for the girls of Riverdale and wishes he were Archie. So, in the AV room, which no one has ever been to, uh, all the popular kids, <laughs> and they don't even know where it is. In the AV room, he has basically an Archie mech. So it's a robot that looks like Archie that he's been building even before this whole incident started. So it's pre-Predator stuff. And he basically becomes like robo-Archie in order to try and stop the Predator. This is published by Archie Comics, right? Or is it a co-publisher? It's Dark Horse. It comes out from Dark Horse. Who's the writer? Let's see. It's Alex DeCampi and Fernando Ruiz. And it looks like it looks like a modern, you know, Archie comic. Like it's the same style that you would see in an Archie Digest, basically. That's interesting. It's really out there. There's also like a mention in the background that Betty's grandmother, when she when they discover Jughead's you know spine, uh, she says, "This is just like the time my grandmother ran over the Yorkie with a lawnmower. There's blood everywhere, everywhere." And like, so she's like repeating this over and over again throughout. Jeez. <laughs> the story, like she's now fixated on this. Like it's it's really messed up. 
and it looking like an Archie comic book as we know it makes it all the more kind of messed up. Is it a four, six issue mini? What is it? Do we know? This is issue three of, uh, I guess it's three or four. Oh, wow. Three or four. <laughs> Also, and, and, my, and my favorite parts are just the pre- like it never gets old. Um, it started in the first issue. You, you see the like the heat vision oh, of the predator. Yeah. So like you see Veronica and like she'll be like when she's angry, like she'll be redder than the other characters, and it's funny. Woo. All right, uh, yep. Miss Marvel sixteen. Miss Marvel enters the world of Secret Wars and Battle World, and and for me the most noteworthy thing about this issue was that she finally meets up with her namesake, Captain Marvel. Yeah, in the last page. So I'm really looking forward to the next issue uh, to see how they interact because she's gonna fangirl all over. Captain she's gonna Marvel. fangirl all over the place. Yeah, the, and like it looks like serious, like it's it's a serious you know cliffhanger. And then you get like the the preview, like the cover for the next issue, and yeah, like her cover. just like hanging on her. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. The cover for the next issue. It's great. Like just a, the, an enthusiastic, you know, exuberant character, and not the you know, like it's it's the total inverse of you know Wolverine, like crouching through the sewers and stuff, like yeah. just like angry all the time. And and so that was that was cool when she got to meet Wolverine. So right. that was that was um, even though that wasn't Adrian Alfana, it that was a really fun little diversion yep. to go off with Wolverine because it's such an interesting combination of characters. So yeah. Uh, and this was and as as a, good I'm issue. sorry and as yeah as a tie-in to um you know all this crazy stuff it you know felt all right it still it felt like an issue of Ms. Marvel you know it's like on it the edges of the story away. you know the the, the yeah. other the ultimate planet appears above earth and everybody freaks out obviously but you can only see it when you're in Manhattan apparently I guess <laughs> it's probably the haze of pollution over New Jersey you can't see it <laughs> New Jersey jokes so but I did like the idea of the community coming together to save, not save everyone, but but make sure everyone is okay. Band you know? together, and, and like everybody ends up in the, the school gymnasium, and she's like, oh my god, my entire life is in this gym. <laughs> How do you feel about the brother possibly being inhuman? I think, I, I doubt it's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing to explore, though. Like, like how that character would would deal with the possibility even of being, you know, a superhero. Right. Was that they are so different? He's much angrier than she is. Yeah. And well, real quick, it just so the opening is is she's had her heart broken by the supervillain and at a, a hot dog truck. And uh, at first, I was like, why are there seats at this hot dog truck? Yeah, I've never I, seen that in my life uh-huh. until I realized they were doing a riff on on her being at a bar, and I, I laughed because it was a funny riff. Yeah, like should we call somebody? Like, and he's got, he's, he's cleaning out glasses, and he's got a he's got a rag over his shoulder, and she's mm-hmm. she's ordering hot dogs like they're whiskeys, and uh, it was funny. It was enough to make me overlook the silliness of it. Like I was like, okay, that's a funny gag. I think I think it's perfectly appropriate it's, to it's, that character. It's the tone of the book. Yeah, that she's the kind of you know teenage girl that where like it, like it wouldn't be alcohol. It would be hot three hot dogs. I'd like three hot dogs. Runaways. Runaways number one. Um, I was like, is this going to be Runaways? You know, it's it's Noel Stevenson, and the it's 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 not like a continuation of well, Mike Vaughn's Runaways. It's a tie-in, right? For, it's a it's Battle World. Yeah, it's a Battle Worlds thing, and so like they're all at the Doom School, mm-hmm. and that like they they have a Doom like proctor or teacher whatever that they hack to get out. Of. And so like the Runaways thing is not necessarily in the legacy, although Molly is there, and it's kind of a joke that Molly's there because like why would she be in a high school? She's too young. Right. So like in her caption, it's like 
does she even go here? <laughs> so like she's just there because Battle Worlds is ridiculous. So it's a bunch of kids and it's like Jubilee as a teenager who I don't think she's has been a teenager. Who knows? Like hasn't like I feel like she's been in her twenties more recently, but I guess like it's Battle World, so whatever. Yeah. Um so then like Jubilee and then like some new characters and some that I I didn't entirely recognize. But so it's like it's not it's not Nico and Chase and you know mm-hmm. like the core runaways you know, but they're running away from this school. Well, like they break out of this military academy, and like so they're runaways. And like the what what would you call it? Like the head boy from Harry Potter, basically. <laughs> okay. Is um is Bucky? As a kid. As a as a teenager, yeah. Right. So he would be like he's like the hall monitor, I guess. Basically, is the idea. And so this book shouldn't be called Runaways so much as Truancy. It's because, like I actually going through it, I was like, this is kind of like more like a Young Avengers or, or something. Like the, the Runaways branding, I think, has so much baggage to it because mm-hmm. people love those characters. So it feels a little bit disingenuous for it to be that. But it, but if you take it just as like Runaways 2.0, like it's it's a new pilot for that concept. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean it's it's a battle world thing, so it'll be over in two issues, and then, then yeah, whatever. but like you know, and you know, like the interactions are kind of interesting, um, and then like it, the the cliffhanger is uh, Valeria is the headmistress of the school. Hmm. Who was the art? Who was the art? Uh, who was the art? Who was the art? I will look that up while you talk about something else. <laughs> so I remember when you were on the show, you didn't really like Astro City. You read it on occasion. Have you been reading these last two issues? Yes, the, because it's a gorilla on drums. The gorilla plays drums. This was the the Sanford well, Green. Sanford Green is the artist on Runaways. Okay, I apologize. So uh, this was the conclusion to the Sticks arc, in which the gorilla from not Gorilla City comes to Astro City, just wants to be in a band and not be a superhero, but gets pulled into life because he is a militarily trained gorilla. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked what I liked about this issue a lot, and I thought this was fantastic as well as the last one, is that he's basically a soldier coming home from war, right? He's got kind of PTSD from what he did, yeah. and uh, he's not so much a superhero as he is a soldier. And I like the idea of him trying to assimilate back into the world, which is even harder because it's not like, like we just discussed earlier with Martian Manhunter, it's not like he can just take off his uniform and he can. He's a gorilla, mm-hmm. and so everyone knows he's the gorilla who who can fight and so he's, he's he's on a team and he quits the team because he doesn't really want to do it he just wants to be in a band tries to tries to be in a band but the band keeps getting attacked by supervillains because of who he is and the band doesn't want him anymore because they don't want to die and he has sort of a great idea to form a super powered band of all people who have superpowers because you know there are people too and some of them like to play music so yeah i thought it was a great little i love this art. yeah this was delightful. It was delightful. And I also love that, like, and we had some superheroes standing. I like that, what's it called? Um, the main superhero, Samaritan. the Superman guy. Samaritan, yeah. Shows up, and he, and it, it's kind of a funny scene, because he's like, he's like, don't give up. He's like, I don't know exactly what the solution is. But, like, <laughs> we're going to figure this out. Like, you're a good kid. I like you, Gorilla Kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, anyways, this, and the Samaritan does follow through. He ends up standing on the on the roof and guarding the auditions so that um, these metahumans basically can come in and audition to be part of this band, and no one has to worry about you know their secret identity or anything like that. And I love that like there's these little one panel like 
concepts for superheroes. Yeah. Like this girl, it's like Becca or something, and she she was in an accident apparently, and they put her in a robot body, and she's a, just a big keyboard. <laughs> like <laughs> it's cool. She's just a robot keyboard, and she's and she's like, because I like I thought that I wouldn't be able to play music, but now I can I can be the music, you know, and and uh, and there's other ones with like even crazier things going on, but I just I love that, and it was just like not everybody with superpowers wants to be, you know. Uh, a soldier, at least, you know. So did, does this make you reassess your opinion on Astro City? Absolutely, yeah. I think there's, like, a big collection of, like, this recent volume yeah. of uh, Astro City coming out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check this out. Because the issues that I have read of this, the modern Astro City stuff has been really good, and I, and I think I'll be going back and reading some of the other stuff. This is, I think these two issues have been Astro City at, it, at its best. This is, the, this is the kind of thing it does really, really well. I think the art kind of turned me off a little bit sure. in the beginning, and then, but like, I just, I love what he's doing with this, like just this little anthology thing, and telling stories about like, an alternative take on what it would be like because we've seen so many versions of like the Spider-Man kind of character or right. like the Batman kind of character and different analogs of them and with slight twists and now he's just saying like let's pan way over and just look at the people who just want to play music but yeah. also have powers man that like the cover uh, of this one with him playing the drums so is happy. just like yeah and just look at like that's that's up there for like cover of the year. That's just like that's what you want out of comics, right? Absolutely. So, back to Battle World. Back to Battle World. Uh, Thor's number one. This is Jason Aaron and Chris Sprouse, mm. and uh, that should be enough. <laughs> but and you think like, okay, cool. It's going to be a bunch of different Thors from all the different realities. So you've got like Ultimate Thor. You've got Beta Ray Bill. You've got uh, Storm in the role of Thor, uh, and 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 various other ones. There's like an Egyptian. Uh, themed uh, Thor and like alright I'm into that I like Thor as a concept a, a bunch of Thors even better Jason Aaron cool it's more than that because this is a this is a, I think you would like this yeah, I, I'm assuming you didn't read it no I, I, we're, we're not reading most of the Battleworld stuff uh, in general okay you'll want to check this out because this is a take on procedural cop dramas okay all no, the Thor it, it's basically like Law and Order Thor. Okay, you got me. They're 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 basically all cops, and they have you know different roles. And basically, you I know think my buttons to push Montgomery. Yeah, it's like it's Ultimate Thor and Beta Ray and Beta Ray Thor, as he's called, are basically uh, investigating some uh, some crimes, some murders, and uh, Beta Ray Bill ends up getting killed. Hmm. And like Loki's like like a he's kind of like Bubbles. He's kind of like an informant. Is there a Jerry Orbach Thor? I guess it. I guess it would be uh, Ultimate Thor. Hmm. But it's but it's like it's Jason Aaron, you know, going head over heels for like NYPD Blue Law and Order. It feels like an episode of Law and Order, well, and it's like it just like it's like really embracing those tropes, right? And like what cops are like when they when they you know get together, right? And in a procedural setting, and um, yeah, well, like this is this it. is such a weird idea. It looks good. I'll be reading it. Investigating the murder of an all thing. Yeah, we're, we're yeah we're, we were sticking mostly just the Secret Wars and reading a couple of the tie-in books, but uh, mm-hmm. this one sounds good. So thank you, Paul, for bringing it to my sure. Show. No, I just I was like, of listeners I was like Connor would like this. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the books we're going to talk about this week. Real quickly, uh, if you go to ifanboy.com/support, that's the handy page. 
that includes all of your ways to help iFanboy, including the Amazon link in which you go to Amazon.com, make your purchases as you would normally. We get a little piece of that action. Nothing comes out of your pocket. You can also become an iFanboy member there for 3 bucks a month or 30 bucks a year. That's how you can help the show directly. And also, you can, that's where you can make your donation of any amount, uh, including uh, doubloons. I think PayPal takes doubloons. Drachma. Right. So that's, where, that's the page, iFanboy.com slash support, where all you can help to keep the show going. We really appreciate everyone who does that. And we have gone a little long, so we have time for one email. Okay. And that email is from Nick from San Francisco, California, as of eight months ago, previously Brooklyn. He says, I've never written iFanboy, but I'm making a plea for you to discuss low number seven. I'm a 33-year-old doctor, and to relieve some stress, I started picking up comics for the first time in 20 years. I enjoyed some Marvel books, all new X-Men, Moon Knight, etc. But after suffering through Original Sin, I realized if I was ever going to reinvest in comics, I wanted to have at least a few series that could leave me a little more emotionally invested and a little more in wonder at the craftsmanship of the story and the art on the page. I found Lowe to be one of those series. The artwork ranges from abstract landscapes to personal characters, all with a very vibrant palette. The characters are interesting, the plot pacing is great, and with a constant move-forward movement. I don't think you've mentioned it since number one was pick of the week, but maybe the closer to six-week shipping schedule isn't helping it, or maybe you just don't like it. Paul, that was your pick of the week. Oh, yeah, yeah, back in the day. Uh, I still like Lowe, but I honestly, I think it's the shipping. I've, I've yeah. switched over to, to collections for it. I have done the same. I, I, I like it. It's just I found myself in that situation going, who, what? Who, where are we? Yeah. And then I just like, oh, that's my sign to, to move on to collections. Just there's so many, you know, and so many stories that you know you're following, and even remember stories that yeah. you're following that you're like, okay, I, uh, this would be more satisfying and affecting if it just hit me all at once. Yeah. So, uh, over to collections because it is something that I want to like return to because I think it it does have that that depth that it rewards you know coming back to it just feels like one of those books. And I just, I kind of, part of the reason I made number one, was, uh, the, the pick, was because of that promise of this is a story by a person who has been traditionally very cynical about hope. Right. And it ends on such a bleak note. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to see where that goes. And the, the world building in it is so cool. I think there are, I, I think Greg Ticini, like, I think there are fans and then detractors and um but i'm definitely on the fan side i think that just the art is so evocative and and dreamlike and to do something underwater and like alien and otherworldly it's it's just really special yeah i think the the art is magical well it's pretty magical i mean it's a, it's an alien world it takes place a lot of it underwater and it doesn't look like any other book out there it's got a really great color palette and the characters are interesting. You know, Remender's on a great run. We, we've talked about it with all his books, The Deadly Class and Black Science, etc. And he's doing really great work. This is just one of those books that I wasn't enjoying as much issue to issue. I, I waver on that with Black Science sometimes just because there's a lot going on in it. And, yeah, uh, it's, and it's that thing. It's like when, when you read something and you know that, like, this, this should be really affecting right now. This should really be getting to me. But... I got I I like I got disengaged. You don't want to shortchange the book yourself, yeah. the creators, anyone by not really feeling the full impact of the story when you've forgotten nuances of the relationship of the characters or why that thing that just happened is important. That happens, and and I don't. I'd rather just read it all at once and, and get. To Sometimes that. it's okay for like to get into a comic, or like read number seven or eight or nine of something, and 
just gradually remember, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, that's where we were last time. But when it's low and you remember where you were last time, like within the last two, three pages of the issue, and you've lost that, you've lost that momentum, yeah, you feel like you're shortchanging it and yourself. So I'd rather just have that, you know, that chapter. Which is okay. It's totally totally okay to read things collected. I prefer Mm -hmm. everything collected if I had the opportunity, but... Yeah, I've I've been doing a lot more of that lately, just because I'm, I'm I'm not charged with talking about individual issues <laughs> on a week to week basis anymore. Right. And so I've been reading a lot of things in collections, and I was like, wow, this like th- there's so much more gravity to, you know, to the story sometimes when you're not reading it like in the middle of you know 14 other books that are that have their own priorities. You know, like mm-hmm. when you can just like immerse yourself in the world of of low for a little bit or you know or black science or whatever it is especially Um, when it's not a world superheroes tend to be different because they're so culturally ingrained who they are where they are why they're doing what they're doing their and their relationships that you can get by and not remembering everything because you know as osmosis you you know everything whereas low Mm -hmm. The, you know it's all in the world so you don't know anything about these characters and it's just harder to remember for me and something yeah, and something like Astro City, that's cool to read. Like, I, I like reading that, you know, once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. Like, just to, to, to go back into that world. And I think those are designed, this particular volume of Astro City is designed really well to just come in and you got your own little, like, Twilight Zone episode. Right. Uh, you're, let's peek into this person's life, you know. And But with something something like that, something like low uh I, a lot of those image books i'd like to just get lost in yep. you know a hardcover i like that they've been putting out those deluxe hardcovers of things like lazarus La- lazarus oh is yeah, yeah lazarus, is, lazarus is tough because i do want to keep talking about it and i do really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. it came out this week and it was another good issue but i do also find myself sometimes on the edge because there's so many characters and stories and uh families and who's with who and right you start to lose that thread a little bit but uh Thanks, Nick, from writing in. He wrote us at contact.ifanboy.com. You can also call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS, 3262697. That's where you can tell us uh, who you are and where you're from and keep it around 30 seconds. And, Paul, plug your various endeavors. Sure. Let's see. We just recorded an episode of O Comics last night. That's the podcast for panels.net. We read a lot of great uh, commentary on comics. Cool thing about panels of so many different writers and we keep expanding our roster of writers from you know all walks of life and and different you know opinions and everything and coverage of you know stuff that i've never heard of and and stuff that i am very much familiar with but never looked at it in that certain way so that's that's the fun of panels um and then o comics uh i just did an episode with uh, with our buddy david campo talking about issues of parenthood in in comics mm-hmm. uh thinking about father's day and uh, and we also talked about that that recent um, news story about the the college in California where the student uh, complained about there being uh, nudity and and basically she said that the comics that were on her comic book reading list for this class um, were pornography and right. she was expecting just Batman and Robin and um, so we talked about that a little bit and you know what the, the what the you know mainstream perception of what comics is is and what you can do in comics and stuff like that so that was a fun one so that'll be out uh, around the same time as uh, this episode is out so cool. check those out at panels.net and then ocomics on iTunes and you can head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show talk about this week's books find all of our other podcasts they will be uh, an Ant-Man show in a couple of weeks, I guess, when that comes out. You can find that there. Follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter. 
You can follow us individually. I'm at CS Kilpatrick. Paul is at Fuzzy Typewriter. Josh is at JA Flanagan. Uh, that's where you can find us. Cool. And uh, if you dig the show, you can write a review in iTunes or better yet, tell your friends about iFanboy. Introduce your mom to podcasts. Help spread that iFanboy love all around. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Thank you, Paul, for coming on in, in the wake of Josh. He claims he goes to Vermont to ride his bike, <laughs> but I think he's running heroin. Okay. I don't know for sure. That's my suspect. That's the kingpin. I suspect. Okay. No, no, he's a, he's not a kingpin. He's a lowly runner. He's a runner. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I suspect. So thanks for stepping in while he was gone. My pleasure. And if my he ends up in federal pleasure. penitentiary, then we'll have to figure out how where to go from there. But in the meantime, I'm Connor. It'll be like cereal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> receiving a collect call from. <laughs> we could start. We could turn iFanboy into a serial podcast about Josh's upcoming federal charges on drug running. And I am Paul. <laughs> See you next week. Scattered pictures of the smiles we left behind. Smiles we gave to one another for the way.